0: Uh, it wasn't just a flavor to food; it was to preserve it.
1: And so we, Psalm being the salt of the earth, we are to, in a sense, preserve uh, in, um, God's justice and morality and righteousness upon Psalms this earth, and in living righteous lives. Um, songs of its, we, in of a, a sense, from convict from, uh, those Psalm around us. And, and there's a sense that you Psalm know, one, um, people, people should act up. The third one uh, should should act rightfully when we're around. I'll read along. They should. Do what they're supposed to. Psalm 123, a song of, you of, probably of the sense. Seen this. Probably been To in, you I lift in, up my uh, eyes, work O work you who are enthroned or, in the heavens. Or somewhere where people know that you're a believer Behold, as go the go eyes of servants look to the hand mouths. of their master, they watch as the eyes they of they a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, rightly. they sit up straight. So our eyes look to you, look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy and upon us O Lord have mercy upon us. We have had more uh, uh, than enough of against contempt. corruption against this world Our soul has had more um, than enough of the scorn decay. of those who are at ease. So light exposes so The darkness. contempt of the proud. And when we let our light shine we expose the Heavenly darkness Father. of this world. And, and then help us to we glean shouldn't be surprised when there's some sort of opposition understanding that comes because of that. When we let our light this shine, Psalms. Um, any people as Jesus which was said will come to the light by one of your people love long ago and it they will either uh, so uh, many emotions separate from us frustrations things or which they will come after us we can often feel but he says here that and yet things which um, we are to rejoice and be glad when we're persecuted we are to to be, happy because it reminds us that this world is not nonetheless. Um, as he that did we're so in a spiritual we war that we live on a spiritual battlefield and, and we feel the effects of sin and it's not so much because of us it's because us of god within us it's because of who god is so because Lord, they help hate us god. to um, and they will not come um, to learn from this song what and so we because do they cannot express their hatred we, upon god they, they take it out on struggling. us struggling Times in which we are and we will be reviled we will be persecuted, we'll be persecuted. we are frustrated he says and they angry. will utter all kinds of evil He's against you falsely on my Jesus account name we pray. and when that happens we are to rejoice and be glad now,
0: as i said in, in the previous, previous um, our reward is great passages, it's been a uh, but we are weeks also since to do what the song a song of
1: sense but we are to look these uh, songs have, um, we are to lift up our eyes songs we are to were written they were cares upon on Christ, As the pilgrims God would make their way their those appointed um, feasts or festivals to Jerusalem. And uh, for they would either recite these to one another or trials. sing them to a tune. There's a reason um, to encourage There's one another, to lift we, one we another up, to live in a um, chance universe. We do not live and instruct each a, other. Uh, uh, as um, often chaotic, times many of the people who would God's sing these songs, God's universe, um, that's ordered either come from his ways. distant places, uh, just outside of Israel, or far outside of Israel, or for our good. Um, even within Israel, but whatever the case may be, Jay-Z, however the far father, their journey was, they were journeying to Jerusalem to, learning to this song worship in, in his devotional harvested sheaves. In, in and their decisions. journey, they would, oh how um, simple, suitable, complete, look forward, and blessed a remedy to is time this for all worship worship our time of peace, but When the Lord is pleased also to open express, our eyes and um, fix them on Himself, their struggle, He must do it all. That they had at if home. the eyes are to be upon Him. Um, he must first give us just eyes. As you know, if lifted any, upon any him, us, he must we raise them. We go on a trip, we go on a vacation somewhere, um, or it may be uh, a long journey to a uh, family member's house uh, or a uh, holiday, just like we had. Um, and we, as we're traveling, we think of the things in our lives and the struggles we're having, or especially if it's uh, a vacation time, um, where we're trying to relax, trying to forget some of those things. or and looking forward to the time in which we will relax and, and um, uh, have a, a time of recreation. But this was even more so because this was a time of worship, and an appointed time, a, a time that was sanctioned by God in His law to come to Jerusalem to worship. And um, particularly in this psalm, we, we see some... We see some deep emotions of of burdens, of frustrations, of anger, and even of of persecution. Um, One one commentator, he writes this, he says, This is a community lament, as the references to we and us show. In the song of ascents, the faithful pilgrims feel themselves to be the objects of scorn and contempt. The psalm goes beyond simply asking for a safe journey. It seeks relief from the scorn. So, And it's kind of hard because it doesn't say the context. We we can um, look at at the rest of the Bible and and history in Israel and see some bit of context that we can speculate upon the pilgrims going to Jerusalem, but we don't get the particular context context of each one of these songs of a sense. Uh, many scholars have thought that this was um, post-exilic after the um, exile to Babylon, uh, maybe in, in Nehemiah's time, um, given uh, that the, the psalmist um, speaks of contempt and scorn and, and, and thinking that, that maybe um, this is... Uh, uh, reflecting uh, the Israelites' um, contempt and scorn that they felt in Babylon, in that they're finally back in the land, and they're going to one of the feasts. Um, it could be that they were coming from, um, say, you know, just outside of Israel, from Moab or Edom, or um, from Syria. Could be that they were coming from uh, Samaria later on. Um, we don't know exactly when that was, this was written, but um, on its face we see that there is a deep frustration. And, and yet there is a sense of relief that they are going to Jerusalem, they are going to worship, but um, in the prayer, there's also a sense that they're going to have to return. They're going to have to return to that place where they, they felt that contempt and that scorn, that mistreatment. Another commentator, he writes this concerning this psalm. He says, throughout their history, Jews have often had to endure the scorn and contempt of their enemies. The world has never loved God's people, for they represent a lifestyle that is a threat to their complacency. As we make our way on the narrow road that leads to Zion, we run up against a crowd going in the other direction. We're always swimming upstream, going against the flow of the world, going against um, the course of this world. And throughout the history of the Jews, throughout the history of the Christian church, uh, we have been uh, countercultural. We have done things differently. Even in those times when in which we're accepted, um, most of the world might look at um, Christian church or 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 good, upright, loving, kind Christians, and and in a sense um, say we're good people and deal with us. But in another sense, say, well, I don't want any of your religion. You know, you you keep your faith to yourself. You're you're fine. You're. You know, we're happy to have you as neighbors and, and, and coworkers and you're good, upstanding citizens, but, you know, you keep your faith to yourself and we'll, we'll just, you know, um, we'll get along well. But once you start talking about God and about morals and judgments and, and heaven and hell, then we don't want any of that. And that's where the persecution comes. It's all fine and well until we start to worship God as He called us to. And this is where the opposition comes in. When they really um, find out who we are and what God requires not only of us, but of all mankind. And the psalmist, he writes, and and it's not just him, because we see a lot of... um, Not only he's speaking in the singular, but in the plural. There's a lot of we and us. So it's the whole group that feels this this scorn, this contempt, this persecution. One one pastor um, who was preaching on this this psalm, he said this. He says, you you know, the, the, the main lesson of this psalm is when you're fed up, look up. (laughs) <laughs> and it stuck really. It's simple, but you know it, that that's something throughout our whole lives as we walk in, uh, amongst this world, and it's something we we should do often. It should be uh, almost a knee jerk reaction for us. When you're fed up, look up. And it's like, where do you go when you're frustrated? Where do you go when you're angry? Where do you go when you're bitter? Where do you go when you? you can't take it anymore. And our first reaction should be to go to prayer and to look up. When you're fed up, look up. That, that was, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a funny and, and, and trite saying, but it, it's true. Because that, that's where we show where our hope is, where our help is. And throughout this psalm, it's a short psalm. It's just four verses, but it divides nicely up into two sections. And really, there's just two main expressions here two expressions of the psalmist in this Song of Ascents. And we see these expressions first in the psalmist's proclamation in verses one to two, and then we see the psalmist's petition, verses three to four. In the first Psalmist proclamation, He says this, "To you, I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us." This is a, the Psalmist proclamation, and his proclamation is first and foremost, of God's sovereignty. He looks to God, but he's proclaiming and looking to God and lifting up his eyes, and um, he's proclaiming God's sovereignty. And he, he, he's, his proclamation is, is also of a servant's submission. And then of Israel's hope. But first we see of, of God's sovereignty, which frames the whole psalm. He starts off, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Showing that, that, that God is on His throne. Though everything seems to be falling apart and I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I'm afflicted and I'm persecuted, God is still on His throne. He is still ruling and reigning. And He is reigning from heaven. Old Testament scholar Willem van Gemmeren, he writes this in his commentary. He says this, The expression of dependence on the Lord is similar to that in Psalm 121, verse 1. Both in Psalm 121.1 and 123.1, the psalmist creates a suspense by drawing out the use of the divine name. In 121.1, he makes mention of the hills, and then portrays the Lord as the maker of heaven and earth. Here He speaks about Him first by you, then as He whose throne is in heaven. And concludes on a specific address. The Lord our God. The intent of both poetic references is to dramatize the awesome power of God, the ruler of the universe. Just in, in that short phrase, O you who are enthroned in the heavens, He shows where His hope is, where His confidence is, but also that God is sovereign. That He is ruling and reigning, that nothing has shaken Him, nothing has caught Him off guard, nothing surprises Him. All the circumstances that the psalmist and the people are feeling, all their afflictions, even though they're in bad circumstances, even though they're feeling scorn and contempt, God is not caught unaware. He is aware of it all. He knows what they're feeling. He knows what they're going through. And in a sense, they're able to find in God sympathy and compassion. The psalmist proclaims God's sovereignty. His his sovereign position. And and even as... um, The commentator Willem van Gemmeren, he noted in Psalm 121, um, in that song of a sense, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And just as the writer to Psalm 121 wrote, and the writer to Psalm 123 writes that he's looking upwards to to God and dwelling upon God's sovereignty and His sovereign position that He is over all, He is over all creation. Every aspect of creation is His. He is in control of it all. And there is a sense that that could possibly add to your frustration as you look to God and you, you're reminding yourself uh, and you're proclaiming His sovereignty and yet you're still in affliction, you're still in persecution, you're still um, being taunted or scorned or held in contempt. You could, in a sense, be angry at God. But God is not just only sovereign over your circumstances, but over your spiritual growth. Oftentimes, He he places us in those circumstances so that He will wean us off of the comforts and pleasures of this world. We will find our joy and our hope in Him and not in uh, better circumstances. And, And not only that, but that we will learn to trust Him. That that this isn't this our circumstances. It's not a coincidence. It not it didn't come about by chance. Though um, we may be persecuted, though it, it may be um, trying, though it may be frustrating, though it may, um, in a sense, provoke anger and hatred. We know that God is using it to conform us into the image of Christ. And so first and foremost, the psalmist, he proclaims God's sovereign pr- position. And, and in proclaiming his position, he, he also implies uh, God's sovereign prerogative. That, that God can do whatever he wills. He can do whatever he wishes. It's, it's almost a, as like a, like a salutation. Like a, 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 an honorable address to God. Before he lays out his complaint or his petition, he honors God by saying, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. That he, he proclaims his sovereign position, but also God's sovereign prerogative. To do as He wills. Is Psalm 115 says in verses 1 to 3 of Psalm 115, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. And so as a writer to Psalm 123 writes that uh, and addresses God who is enthroned in the heavens, He's almost saying what the writer to Psalm 115 says, that our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. That God is able to deliver me from this trial. He's able to uh, sustain me in the trial. It's His prerogative to keep me in the trial. It's His prerogative to deliver me from the trial. It's His prerogative to give me rest or to give me comfort or to keep me here, to learn something more about Him. The psalmist proclaims God's sovereignty in His position, His prerogative, and in His power. Alan Ross, um, one of the great commentators on the psalms, he's, he writes this, he says, The first part of the psalm asserts the psalmist's constant attentiveness to prayer. It begins with the direction of that prayer to the Lord who sovereignly reigns in heaven. By this expression of his focus on God, the congregation would be reminded that prayer addressed to the King of heaven is in itself an expression of confidence in his sovereignty. He alone reigns on high above all the difficulties of this life. The confidence comes in understanding and depending on this. And more often than not in the Psalms, and especially in the Psalms of David, we see that the psalmist is not only, and especially David does this, he's not only proclaiming who God is and his character and his attributes, but there's a sense in which he's reminding himself of who God is. That he, he's comforting his own soul. And I think there's that aspect here in this psalm that the psalmist is comforting his own soul beginning with his complaint or his lament. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Reminding himself that that God is not caught off guard. That his God knows. He knows exactly what he's going through. And so he, he, he proclaims God's sovereignty. First and foremost. And then his proclamation goes on to that of a servant's submission. In verse 2, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. And he's in a sense arguing from the lesser to the greater. He starts off as, the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master. Uh, almost giving this, this um, picture, this, this corporate picture of uh, a group of servants and the master. That they do whatever the master says. And, and it could be um, translated as slaves. And in the, the ancient Near East context, and, and even um, with thinking of uh, a king and his servants and his court, there there was a sense in in which uh, a king or a ruler would would just give uh, hand gestures to the servants in, in in the in the king's court, and they would do his bidding, uh, just slight hand gestures to give me a drink or to write this down or to issue this proclamation, or to go get the general of the army, or um, to bring me my food, or or whatever it may be, the king, the master, had hand gestures, and so the servants looked to the hand of their master for those gestures, to be an obedient servant, to be a faithful servant, always looking to the hand of the master for what the Master would want Him to do next. To serve Him. And, and this is our role. This is our role as God's people, as God's servants, as, as uh, He is our Master, and we, in a sense, as the Bible often says throughout, um, especially throughout the New Testament, that we are, in a sense, His slaves. We're slaves of righteousness, but nonetheless, we are slaves. Is you know, we just... You know, went through Thanksgiving season, and, and this psalm certainly was recited the Thanksgiving psalm, Psalm 100. And in Psalm 100, verses 2 to 3, it, it says, This serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And part of our thankfulness, part of our gratitude, is not just who God is, but resting in God's provision and His care and His character. That we serve Him and we submit to Him and we look to His hand to provide for our needs, to protect us, to guide us. And this is what the psalmist is saying here, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till He has mercy upon us. And he starts off with the eyes of servants to their master, and then he goes down a level to the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress. And so there's this this, um, principle of servants and master, but then it's even more um, intimately expressed by maidservant and mistress. That this concept of servant and master is not just expressed corporately, but individually and intimately. In that intimate relationship of maidservant and mistress. Now, certainly, there, throughout history, there was um, bad relationships between a maidservant and her mistress, between the, um, in a sense, the. the the queen of the household, her uh, servants, her ladies um, in waiting, Um, certainly there's instances of bad relationships. And and we could, even in the Bible, we could look back to Sarah and Hagar and and think of the maidservant and her mistress and, and see how that relationship went bad because of Abraham's sin. But there is a sense where that relationship should be a good relationship. It should be an intimate relationship. As the, the, the lady of the household um, trusts in her servant girls to help with the cooking and cleaning and the care of the children and, and other things which um, ladies would be uh, occupied with in a house. And especially in, in those times of um, making clothes, and washing them, and taking care of whatever um, livestock, and, and cooking and cleaning, and fetching water. There, there's a bit more of an intimate relationship here. But nonetheless, it's the, the, the principle is the same, that the, as the servants look to the hand of their master, so the eyes of the maidservant to the hand of her mistress. Uh, There is submission, there is trust, but there's also a relationship. And and so it is with us that we look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. We continue to look to Him to serve Him and to, um, to honor Him, to obey His commands. Whether our circumstances are good or not, we look to Him. We trust in Him. We hope in Him till He has mercy upon us. And, and this is the third proclamation. Uh, the, the psalmist, he has a proclamation of God's sovereignty, a proclamation of the servant's submission, and then a proclamation of Israel's hope. Our eyes look to the Lord our God. He, he's our God. Uh, they in the ancient Near East, there was all the nations. Every nation had their god or gods, and how well a nation did, whether they were prosperous or or victorious in battle, it reflected upon their god. And sometimes they would trade gods according to their circumstances, whether there was a drought or or whether there was a. a, a Another stronger nation about to invade them, they would trade gods. And certainly Israel was guilty of this at times. But there is a sense that Israel had the one true God. And that was the only God they were to have. And there was to be that intimate relationship. That was the source of their hope, of their provision of their protection, and they were to look to the Lord, their God, always. Their God. And they were to look to His character and to remember His promises. His promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His promises that were written in the law. The the promises of His character that He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That He would never leave them nor forsake them. And though they would go through trials and tribulations, and, and though He would discipline them, He would show them mercy in due time. I really like what John Calvin says about this psalm in his commentary. He says this, God is here expressly called the God who dwelleth in the heavens not simply to teach his people to estimate the divine power as it deserves, but also that when no hope of aid is left for them on earth, yea, rather, when their condition is desperate, just as if they were laid in the grave or as if they were lost in a labyrinth, they should then remember that the power of God remains in heaven in unimpaired and infinite perfection. Thus, these words seem to contain a tacit contrast Between the troubled and confused state of this world and God's heavenly kingdom, from whence He so manages and governs all things that whenever it pleases Him, He calms all the agitations of the world, comes to the rescue of the desperate and the despairing, restores light by dispelling darkness, and raises up such as were cast down and laid prostrate on the ground. Calvin is saying, as worse as it could possibly get, we always have a hope in heaven. We always have a hope in God. We always can look to Him and and bring our requests before Him. And know that He is able. He is able to uh, deliver us. He is able to sustain us. He is able to encourage us. And if He keeps us where we're at in that trial, then it's for His sovereign purposes and plans. And it's for our good. As Romans 8.28 says, he, he causes all things to work together for good, for those who are, are called according to His purpose. And we rest in that. So the psalmist, he begins with a Proclamation. And then he turns to um, a petition. So we see the psalmist proclamation in verses 1 to 2, and then we see the psalmist petition in verses 3 to 4. The psalmist petition. And, and um, once again, Alan Ross says this, At the heart of the psalm is a short prayer for divine mercy. It comes after an elaborate affirmation of dependence on the Lord, and before a lament that the faithful have had enough scorn and contempt from the world. Because they had about all of this opposition that they could handle, they cried to the Lord to be merciful to them. And this is the heart of the psalm, verses 3 to 4. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. In a sense, in, 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 in more beautiful and flowery language, the, the psalmist is saying, I've had enough. I've had enough. But he uses better language than what most of us would use <laughs> when we say we've had enough. <laughs> you, could, you could picture the, the psalmist almost throwing something. You know, just, I've had it. I've had it. And, you know, for most of us, when we've had it, We storm off and we kick something or we throw something or we spit or whatever it may be. We throw our tantrums, but the psalmist, he goes straight to God. And maybe there's some of us that we do that. We should always do that and just go straight to God. I remember when uh, my last uh, deployment, it was my second deployment, and I was pretty much um, responsible for the whole unit, for their welfare, for planning missions, the logistics, the administrative stuff, uh, taking care of the maintenance, the personnel issues, everything. And I had a commander who um, didn't want much responsibility, (laughs) and so he gave it all to me, and and many other people who I would rather not work with and and wish I could have just traded out, and um, But I was where I was at, and, and oftentimes, I took walks. <laughs> I'd say, uh, tell, tell my soldiers, hey, I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> and I'd go walk because I've had enough. And I'd go walk, and I'd pray. And uh, I'd take those short breaks, and I'd go for a walk, and I'd pray five, ten minutes, half hour, or whatever. <laughs> be like, I'll be back. <laughs> But in a sense, I've had enough. And so I, I went to God. I said, Lord... And yes, I, I, it's true, I wasn't being persecuted. I wasn't being scorned. I wasn't, no one was hold, holding me in contempt. It was just a tough job. It was a tough situation. And oftentimes we find ourselves in those tough situations. And the first place we should go to is to God. But even more so... When we're being persecuted, when we're being scorned, when there's no way out, when we're, as it were, between a rock and a hard place, and oftentimes God puts us there. He'll put us in those places, between a rock and a hard place, so because it's almost as if sometimes, you know, God is saying, "I haven't heard from you in a while." You haven't called. You haven't called home. So, you know, he kind of gets our attention. But it's also for our good. It's to wean us off of the comforts of this world. It's to remind us of who we are, of who God is, of that we, we are sinners living in a sin-cursed world. And, you know, deep down, um, most of us, just want everything to go our way <laughs> and no problems and, and, and we, we might not you know think we're we're that selfish because our standards are low you know it, it, it's you know we, we, we don't really want a mansion or, or you know fancy cars or fancy stuff we just want the mortgage paid off we just want you know the heat to work we just want the, the, the toilets to flush, and we, we just want food in the pantry. We just want people to leave us alone and not make fun of us or you know, deride us or whatever our little problems are. We just want everything to go well. But when we face those problems, we're reminded that we live in a broken, sin-cursed world, and we are broken, um, sin-cursed people because we don't always respond rightly but the psalmist goes to where all of us should go. He goes to God and right away because this prayer, <clears throat> we can see it, it's not specific things so much, but it's this general over umbrella um, prayer of just show me mercy. We, I just need mercy. There's nothing I can do There's no way that I can rectify this situation. I can't get these people off my back. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. We can see mercy in, in, in a few different categories. Mercy for His people. Mercy upon us, upon Israel, upon the people of God. Your people, O Lord. Have mercy upon Your people. Remember Your covenant. Remember Your faithfulness even as Moses prayed for the people, even, even in the wilderness, even when they um, rightly deserve God's judgment, Moses intercedes for them, for God's mercy. We see mercy for God's people. We see mercy for the persecuted, for those who are being scorned, for those who are held in contempt. The contempt of the proud, of the worldly people. Mercy for the despairing. Because, as he says, our our soul has had more than enough. It's not just that mentally and emotionally, and like I'm at my wit's end and and I can't think of how to um, get myself out of this situation, but to the deepest level of the person, my soul has had enough. I don't know where to go. I'm done. Help me out, Lord. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So he prays for God's mercy. He he prays for God's rescue. For God's rescue. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease. Deliver us. Rescue us from the persecution and slander. Rescue us From the ungodly, those who are at ease and the proud, you know, and we can think of um, Psalm seventy-three and and um, uh, Asaph's plead. Those who are at ease, they're 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 sleek and they're fat, they're well fed. The, the, the worldly people in this world who seem to n- not have the problems that we have. Everything's just working out for them. Those celebrities, who on the surface seem to have it all together and they have all the stuff that they need, but we know that it isn't long before their lives fall apart. And they don't have what's most important. But when we're facing trials, we, we tend to, you know, it's easy to look at somebody else, uh, at a neighbor, or somebody else that's doing well, and and you know can be tempted to think, Lord, why don't why don't I have a good job? Why don't why doesn't my car work? Why doesn't you know why isn't my house nice? Or you know all all the things that you know we're troubled with. Why doesn't my body still work? You know why, why do I have You know this disability or this disease. It's easy to look at somebody who has it, seems to have it all together, and and yet they don't. They don't honor God. They don't look to God. Psalmist praise for God's mercy, for God's rescue, and finally for God's vindication. For God's vindication. He's, he's, in a sense, saying, You know, Lord, we're your people. And, and we're here stuck being persecuted, being um, scorned, being held in contempt, being criticized, being laughed at, being mocked. And it's by those, it's by your enemies. So have mercy upon us, deliver us, and, and not only deliver us, but vindicate your people. That we are your people called by your name. So vindicate us. Have mercy upon us. Show us that, and show them that we are yours. But there's not just the, the vindication of his people, which the psalmist Praise for, but there's there's also, in a sense, implied in this, a vindication of God's law, of his character. That, you know, the psalmist doesn't um, explicitly write this, he doesn't explicitly call for judgment, but there is a sense where he's saying this isn't fair. And he's hoping for um, deliverance or, or some set sense of um, judgment, or balance, or fairness, or, or, or justice, that justice would be done. So he, he prays for God's vindication, for vindication of His people, and vindication of His law. And, and it just shows uh, the frustration at the unbelievers who, they're totally at ease and they're at ease in their sin, they're at ease in their mocking, they're at ease in their contempt of the people of God they, they, they don't' it's, it's almost as if their consciences are seared. They don't have a sense of of righteousness or morality or justice and this points back to you know the vindication of God's law that he has Written his law upon the hearts of all mankind. And whether um, we are, people are called by his name, whether they are Israelites or Christians or not, they are to follow God's law, to uphold God's law, to obey God's law. And yet in their sin, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They disregard, disregard God's law, they don't obey it, they don't care. And so in in praying for mercy and praying for deliverance, there is a sense that the psalmist prays for God to vindicate himself, to vindicate his people, and to vindicate his law. As Paul writes in uh, Romans chapter 2, he says this uh, Romans chapter 2 and verses 14 to 15, he says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. And Paul's pointing to the fact that Gentiles and all people have the law of God written on our hearts, and he's using a positive example to explain that principle of God's law written on the hearts of mankind, but there's... Also negative examples that they ought to know better and when God judges them that they rightly deserve that judgment. As Paul wrote earlier in Romans chapter 1, and he gives the rap sheet of all mankind, and he writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 21, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, of uh, the scorn of those who are at ease and of the contempt of the proud, that as they uh, are scorning the people of God and are persecuting and slandering them and afflicting them, that they are not honoring God. They're not They're not obeying the law of God written on their hearts. They're they're at enmity with God because they're at enmity with God's people. And and they're not not honoring God or, or are they giving thanks to Him? They're proud. They're at ease because they have all the things that they want. They're content in their wickedness. And this is where we see the the frustration rising up in the heart of the psalmist. It's not just that he's going through bad circumstances or he's having trouble or things aren't turning out his way. It's like the, the people around him are adding insult to injury. They're compounding his troubles and the troubles of the people of God. And so he goes to the only place he can go. He goes to seek mercy, he goes to seek help. He lifts up his eyes to God who is enthroned in the heavens. And um, if for nothing else, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, there's a sense that. When we pray, we know that it is God's prerogative whether to answer that prayer or not. And there is a sense that He answers all prayers and it may not be a yes, it may be a no, it may be a maybe, it may be a not yet. But we know in a sense that when we pray to God, it is His prerogative whether to answer that right away or to take His time or or however he wants to answer it in his fashion. And and so in praying, we are submitting to God's will. We are submitting to his sovereignty, to his providence, to his care. We are resting in him. And if for nothing else, even if he does not deliver us, there's a sense where he, he eases our hearts and our souls, and he provides us with the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Philippians 4, that's what that means, is that though um, we bring our requests before Him and we um, bring our petitions before Him, our circumstances might not change. But in bringing our requests and our needs before Him, our heart changes, our mind changes, our perspective changes. We're reminded that God is in control And He's working all things together for good. In His sermon on the mount, Jesus um, reminded His disciples of this. To have the right attitude. Whatever may happen. He says in Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on My account. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And Jesus uses two um, analogies, two illustrations, two pictures of the people of God, of the people that we are supposed to be, that we are supposed to be salt, and we are supposed to be light. And he uses those illustrations for a reason because salt, and especially in the ancient world, it was a preservative. Upwards, if kept upon him, he must hold them waking. It is good to be in this spot. There are times and seasons, perhaps, when we seem to have no religion whatever. When we look and look and look and cannot find a grain. Where is our spirituality? Where are our heavenly affections? Where are our prayerfulness of spirit? Where are our tenderness of conscience? Where are our godly fear? Where are our meditations upon God's word? We look and look and look. They seem gone. Now is the time we want our religion, but it is gone. It is gone, leaving us empty, needy, naked, and bare. Religion, as regards its blessedness and comfort, we seem to have none. This is emptying work. This is stripping the soul, as it were, to the very bone, But what a preparation to receive the religion which is from above. How the vessel must be emptied of the dirty water of creature religion, well rinsed and washed out to have the pure water of heavenly religion, communicated from the divine fountain. God never mingles the pure stream of heavenly religion with the dirty, filthy water of our own creature religion. We must be emptied of every drop, so to speak, of our natural religion, to have the holy and spiritual religion, which is from above, poured into the soul. Many times this is what God is doing in our afflictions and in our persecutions. He's, he's stripping us bare. He's pruning us. He's um, conforming us into the image of Christ by weaning us off of the cares of this world. Off. He's, he's exposing our idols and crushing them. He's showing us and reminding us of what is truly important, where our hope really lies. Not that everything would go well for us, but that God has, in a sense, made it well with our soul because He's delivered us from our greatest affliction, from the affliction of sin. And if we have been delivered from sin and we have an eternal hope, and eternal life, then we can, in a sense, deal with anything this world throws at us. And wherever we may be, if we're in the valley of the shadow of death, as, as David writes in Psalm 23, we can always look up and we can find help and we can find mercy in time of need and this is where we look we lift our eyes up to him who is enthroned in heavens in the heavens knowing that he is on his throne and no one's going to take him off heavenly father we thank you for this reminder to look to you to hope in you to trust in you to rest upon you lord it's it's so easy and especially in our context we are so richly blessed and we are thankful that you've given us so much food, shelter and clothing in great abundance, peace and prosperity. But nonetheless, we are often tempted to trust in those things, to rest in those things, to find comfort in the fact that we have a home and food and clothing, that we have cars and jobs and education and that we are comfortable. but Ultimately, our hope and our help is in you, and you alone. Because all these things will soon pass away. They will soon fade. And we thank you for these things. We, we, we don't want you to take them away, but at the same time, we would ask that you would help us not to trust in them, to hold them with an open hand, And to look to you and to honor you with our lives and in our day-to-day walk. So Lord, be with us as we go about our lives in the week ahead. That we would live lives worthy of your name and worthy of the calling to which you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.